The following production is part of the Play Some Video Games Podcast Network. The Shack is back. Greetings, Kooplings. My name is Donnie Reese, and welcome back to PSVG's Nintendo Shack, your weekly slice dose of Nintendo goodness and love. Um, we do have another guest this week as the... Con- Wait, no? No? It, I think that's Caroline? Oh, that is. You heard the squeal. What She's up? back. Hey, guys. It's been a minute. My hair got a little bit longer. You know, all that stuff. <laughs> I, I, I live. Oh, God, no. <laughs> if that starts happening, then I'm going to be in the hospital for a bit. Um, yeah, I'm here. I'm taking a hacienda. Or, or what? I, I was trying to say a, a siesta from my hacienda. Oh, that didn't sound like anything like that. Okay. <laughs> a break from my house to come back to the shack is what I was trying to get into. But I said hacienda before siesta. So it, I suck at Spanish. Sorry, guys. Um, it's good to be back. And I came back for a momentous occasion. Yeah, yeah, you did. Um, so good episode to come back. Um, we are down Devin. I promised Devin and we have no Devin. So hopefully we'll have Devin next week and we can kind of kick this off. But, uh, we, we do have other guests here all the way over from board with video games, dice tower approved. Kyle, (laughs) welcome back to Nintendo Shack. Hey, man, you know, I'm really excited to be here. I'm trying to grow my hair as long as Caroline as well, so we're working on that. But I know that we're going to be talking about, you know, a game on a handheld system. So I have my Vita with me. Nice. So I know we're going to be talking about, you know, games on the best handheld that's out there. So I'm ready to talk about some Vita games. Let's do this, man. Lord have mercy. (laughs) All right. So I announced it last week on our show with Patrick. This is Shaq Returns to Hyrule, the inaugural the first ever, the beginning of this return trip. We've been talking about it for weeks, often praised, often teased, all that jazz. That's what we're going to talk about. It's going to be part retrospective, part looking forward. And uh, as I mentioned last week, the goal here is that we're going to continue to have this recurring segment every episode going through. I feel like we've basically infected most of PSVG. We've got Seth, we've got Josh, we've got Kyle, we've got Dev, we've got Jason, we've got Kevin. Like, they're all coming back, so... Maybe we can start just rotating like a PSVG person every week on the, all the way through. But yeah, we also want to open up to our listeners. If you want to participate in Shaq Returns to Hyrule, record your thoughts. It can be a question. It can be a frustration. Tell me an awesome thing that happened or something that you learned for the first time. If you're playing it for the first time or the third time, whatever it, wants, whatever it is, record your thoughts down on your phone. Do your little voice memo. I want it in audio. I'll take a written one. If you have a question you want to write in, obviously we'll take it. But I want an audio. We'll play it live over the show and we'll respond to it and react to it. It's a community event. That's what we're doing. It's like a like a week-long Let's Play. Speaking of Let's Play, all right, today's Wednesday. Shaq drops Friday morning. Friday night, that evening, I want to do Shaq Plays um, Breath of the Wild together. We're all going to hop on a Discord channel. We're going to open up a voice channel and we can just hang out. 
no streaming, no Twitch, none of that, not putting on for any chat folks or anything like that. It's just a hangout. Do you have to play Breath of the Wild? No, it's preferred. But if you just want to come hang out with us, we'd like it. And I'll see if I can do it Friday. So that's tonight. If you're listening to this, the day it came out, we're talking about tonight. Get in the Discord, psvg.blog slash Discord. Join the Discord. Go into the Return to Hyrule discussion channel, and we'll talk about it. Um, this was actually Kaiju. Isaac brought this up. He's like, we should just hang out and play Breath of the Wild. And I got to tell you, I did this quite a bit with Jason the first time we played Breath of the Wild. It actually was a lot of fun. It's not a multiplayer game, but just talking about what you're doing while you're doing it and hanging out is kind of somewhat, yeah, it's really fun right. just doing that. So we'll hop on a party chat and we'll just hang out and we'll play Breath of the Wild together, talk about where we are and what we're doing. So that's what this episode is all about. It's all about returning to Hyrule, one of the greatest games of the generation, talking about it. And uh, so there's no news. There's no news. There's no listener questions. There's none of that. Well, there is no news anyway, but if there was, it wasn't going to be here. <laughs> So, that out of the way. Does anybody have any any questions or comments before we begin? Let's thank our patrons a little bit just before. We can do that. We can do that. Thank you very much. Um, Over there at patreon.com slash PSVG, you can support the show like our producers do. Our Patreon producers, Coach Hulk, Edwin Callow, Devin Tyus, Kevin Austin, Chris M., Kyle Heyman. Kyle? Joel Voss, Professor Switch, Josh Borboni, Bonesaw, Barry Cathcart, and Paul Calicote. Those folks make um, the ship go. Uh, we have uh, lots of other patrons um, that just don't support us at the producer level that we love equally as much. We're doing giveaway. Um, so we do every month. We've already announced this month. This month we've got Yakuza 6, The Song of Life, an Xbox code for Anthem, an Xbox code for six months of Game Pass. And if you're a Nintendo fan and all you want to do is Nintendo, a $20 eShop card. That's in this month's patron giveaway box. Uh, we pick a random p- uh, patron. So by March 31st, if you're a patron at any level, $1, which gets you access to DLC, by the way, which is a, one of our best products, PSVG DLC, we throw you in the randomizer, we click the button, and whatever name pops out, you get to pick from the prize box. So, um, yeah, definitely come join us, PSVG. So, quick question. Are you saying that Yakuza 6, Anthem... And six months of Xbox Game Pass are equivalent to twenty dollars of eShop credit. It depends on how you use that twenty dollar <laughs> eShop credit because if you use it on Golf Story, it absolutely is one hundred percent is. Or if you use it on <laughs> Hollow Knight, it's it's probably more so. Though Game Pass is pretty legit. It is. <laughs> I am a big fan of Game Pass, so uh, there's all kinds of games coming to Game Pass, like Halo Reach and the Master Chief Collection and. Minecraft, which was all announced yesterday, so it's big deal. Six months of Game Pass, six months. That's I mean, I feel like it's a no brainer if I was picking, but I'm not picking, so everybody else has their has their thing. Next month, PSVG proper has the giveaway, and I have already picked out the present for it. It's a spiffy piece of clothing that you can wear, and uh, I'm excited to show it to everybody. And I hope you guys uh, all put your your names in the hat by then. Okay. Let's begin the show. Let's go. So since Devin isn't here, we won't go into this long Marvel tangent, but I do at least want to say the return to Hyrule is this long-standing thing that's been, what, like 18 months in the making? I feel like it's been a long time, but I'm terrible at time frames. It's definitely been since, like, late 2017. I remember we were, this was in talks back during when Odyssey came out. Yeah. Has to have been. Yes. And I think for those of us that are like Zelda fanatics, we, I, mean, I 
probably replay a Zelda game a year. So I'm always kind of replaying a game. Um, But really, this initiative started when Devin challenged me to watch all of the Marvel films in order. And if I made it all the way through and I watched every single one of them and then passed their test, I had to pass a test on air, a live Marvel fan test. That was rigged, by the way. It was really hard. Stupid questions. Um, If I passed that, then Dev himself would have to buy a Switch and Golf Story and play Breath of the Wild with us. And that happened. That happened like two months ago. I think he finally got his Switch. Finally got it. Finally started playing. He's off the plateau. I can at least spoil that for him. I can tell you he's made it that far. He's sharing his thoughts in our Discord, and he will be on the show. I want to say, I want to like voluntell him to be on the show next week. So he's like Mm -hmm. voluntold for the next show, but we'll see. His schedule's, uh, you know, he's over there in the wrong coast time. So in California, it's really hard to line everybody up. Um, but that that's really what kind of drove all of this or all of us to this point. We all kind of and we had all these big games coming out in the fall. Like we, we've been trying to put it in a time where we could play it. And now it's not even in the best time because we've Anthem and Division. Like everybody's still playing other things. But I think it's a good time. Yeah, um, there's kind of some at least there's downtime amongst us Nintendo folks. There's really kind of nothing. That's true. Going on. Yep. Because we have still one of Yoshi for, you know, another what three weeks. Two weeks, two weeks on Friday, or as of this dropping, two weeks from today. Okay. So, uh, yeah, so that catches everybody up to speed with where we are and what we're doing, and that's it. So uh, I want to cover some particulars, and then I, I wrote down some questions that I think will spur us into discussion, and we'll let it take us wherever we go. I'm not really beholden to my little agenda here. I've just written down some notes. But since we're returning to Hyrule, I at least want to cover, like, the historical perspective, so... For retrospective, let's talk about this. Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild came out March 3rd, 2017. A.K.A. the day Caroline and I basically became best friends. Yeah, the the day before. The day before. (laughs) Right. So we stayed up at GameStop all night together talking about video games, and that's what made me recruit her intensely until she joined PSVG. All right. So it's a Switch launch game. Six years since the last Zelda game, like new Zelda game, launched on console. It's a long time between Zelda games. So Skyward Sword came out November 18th, 2011. So there was some time there for all of us Zelda fans waiting for this game. Uh, Link Between Worlds came out on 3DS in 2013, if you count that one. But it's basically like a remake, so I I don't know. Yeah. Breath of the Wild was the first main Zelda game to use voice acting in its cutscenes. The game was first discussed in 2013. So again, talking about how long we waited for this game. Shown for the very first time in 2014 with a 2015 launch date. And then was delayed in the March the following year. The game was unveiled as Breath of the Wild at E3 2016 and was playable on the show floor. And it was the very last game that Nintendo published on the Wii U. So I want to talk about Breath of the Wild. I want to talk about Zelda. But before we start talking about just this game, I just want to get a little particular on like everybody's experience with just the, the series, the franchise. And we don't have to cover every game we've ever played, but just kind of where it ranks and how much history you have, and really for our for our guests and our newcomers. Kyle, so I want you to start. What, what's your connection with The Legend of Zelda? So for me, I am very much an old-school Zelda player. I had uh, Zelda and Zelda 2 on Nintendo, and then I also played you know link to the past which is still one of my you know top favorite games of all time 
I had Link's Awakening on Game Boy, but didn't get into it all that much, but had it. But at that point, that's kind of where I stopped with the series because I kind of jumped ship and went to PlayStation and did some other things. I ended up playing like Ocarina of Time on 3DS and things like that later. But for the most part, for me, it was very much a big part of my early days of gaming, but not something I stuck with past the early 90s. Uh, Just not a series that because I had moved on. I didn't play a ton of Nintendo things anymore. So for me, you know, it's a lot of nostalgia when I hear Zelda and all that. For me, it's a nostalgia trip right away. I don't think of it in the context of like current gaming very often. So did when you so you say you moved away? Is it just a console choice, or like so when Ocarina came out and when Wind Waker came out and Twilight Princess? Did you ever feel the call to go back? Were you interested? You at least follow the news and and the discussion of it, or did you just leave it in the past? I followed the news and stuff. I just was in the situation where my family could afford a console. Sure. You know, so that's kind of just the situation we were in and, you know, that we had gotten the PlayStation route and that's kind of where we were at. And that's just kind of where we stuck. And then, you know, when I got into college, definitely had friends with N64s and, and all of that. So but at that point, because I'm old, like in college, I was like, OK, we're going to get together. We're going to play Goldeneye. We're going to play Mario Party. Like we're going to do those things like that's what we did. We didn't do there wasn't a lot of single player gaming happening when I was in college. Mm-hmm. So it was a lot of, you know, all of us sitting around with our an N64 and just hanging out together doing stuff. So cool. Cool. Caroline. Um, as you can see, repping the shirt, repping the breath of the wild hat. Um, Zelda is my favorite franchise period. Bar none. Um, best Nintendo IP in my opinion. Uh, I believe the first thing that I ever got into Zelda wise was I was eight years old and not green of time came out. And uh, that game scared the crap out of me and uh, had such a profound impact on me that uh, around the time Ocarina had come out and Majora's Mask was coming out, I was renting Majora's Mask through Blockbuster and I owned Ocarina of Time, but I didn't get into obsessively getting every Zelda game until Wind Waker came out and you pre-ordered that gold case and you got Master Quest if you pre-ordered. And that was the first time I've ever done a pre-order period. And um, the rest is history. I went back and played the uh, first four games originally. Honestly, the first time that I ever actually had any sort of uh, interaction with Zelda was on the Super Mario Brothers Super Show Legend of Zelda cartoon. So that was my first interaction with anything Zelda and it's not exactly true to anything that the games are about. Uh, I own that full series on DVD by the way. Um, So yeah, if you guys don't know me, Zelda is my my thing. Uh, I actually have been thinking about when I come back into streaming, not just doing this Breath of the Wild thing, but I want to play through every single Zelda console title from LOZ for the NES to present date. I want to 100% them all on stream. So uh, look forward to that, I suppose. And... um, Breath of the Wild, I'm still working on my first playthrough. So, uh, unfortunately, like, like I'm not going to come off as fresh as some of these new these people that are just like, I haven't touched the game since I played through it the first time. I go back every couple of months to continue exploring and gathering Koroks and such. So, um, How many Korok seeds do you have? I'm, I'm over halfway done. Uh, so. so that's, what, 450? That's... 
I'm over halfway done. I think it's all closer to 500. I want to say it's closer to 500. <laughs> you have another 400 to go. And you know what? I keep like going through and looking at all these things, and I'm like, there's no way that I'm still missing some. But the Korok mask for the DLC is a, it's a game changer. Um, so yeah, I'm not gonna be like, oh my god, I forgot how the mechanics worked, or I forgot how all this other stuff worked. I kind of hate that, but Spoilers. at the same time, I'm just saying, just saying. Uh, I I'm not going to be as I forgot about that like you are. Okay. So. Um, to keep it brief, I'll echo a lot of your sentiments. Um, yeah, Legend of Zelda is my favorite gaming series, and it's probably why I buy Nintendo consoles. Um, just to put it quickly, so we'll move on. All right, I don't think we could really get into um a good discussion and really start to peel away at this onion unless we kind of address the elephant in the room, and that is that my nemesis here, Kyle, and myself had quite the spirited discussions in Discord during the time of this game's release. And we'd be remiss if we didn't at least acknowledge the fact that Zelda Breath of the Wild launched a week after Horizon Zero Dawn. And as much as these games, in my opinion, probably couldn't be more different from one another, I think they will forever be linked to one each other simply because they are both console-exclusive tentpole stalwarts that launched in the same time. And you can't get away from the fact that they happened. So these two massive games, and of course, when you have exclusive and you've got gamers that love their exclusives, they're going to pick one and say it's better than the other one. I'm not here to prove my case that it's better uh, or worse. But I do want to say, Kyle, do you feel like that launch may have tainted either either of our opinion on, on simply being able to enjoy both of these games? I think for me, the biggest thing was, remember, I didn't have a Switch right away. So I didn't play Breath of the Wild until the summer because I didn't get my Switch until like June or July. So for me, I was just playing Horizon and having a jolly good time. I, that was it was great. I was until having, you like, played Zelda. Well, then I was still having a jolly. Well, yeah, because I had the platinum done in Horizon. So we're great. Uh, no, and then I played Zelda. And I think for me, the hard part was and that was part. And I so I don't want to get too far ahead of myself here because I know we're going to talk about in the future. Part of the problem was is that everyone was like when I started, everyone not was done, but was doing such different things than what I was doing. I wasn't part of the conversation anymore. Like where I was in the conversation, people are like, we did that like four months ago, dude. Yeah. And I was like, oh, sweet. Well, you know, and it's one of those things that when a game has four months of hype of being like, this is the best game of all time. This is the best game of all time. This is the best game of all time. And that's all you hear for four months. Mm-hmm. Jump in. Immediately, you're going to be like, well, the best game of all time wouldn't do that. You know, like, and it's just, sure. I think that's human nature. You know, I think, sure. and that's not specific to this game. I think that's just any, that's the danger of hyping something too much. That I played Uncharted as, 4 that way. For the, it's yep. like the half of Uncharted 4. I was like, all right, guys, where's the perfect game here? So I'm with you. So, so yeah. So I, I do think, though, that yes, they will be linked forever because of their proximity to each other the fact that they're open world with games with some rpg elements uh the fact that but they lean into very different things and they're trying to do very different things and i think you can play both and like both for different reasons but yes they will forever be linked uh in history and the pantheon of gaming of that era and games of that year and and kind of games of this generation for sure sure 
Caroline, you never played Horizon Zero Dawn, did you? <laughs> What's that? Is it on a different console? Because I don't think I know about any of those. It's a great other game. Consoles. Alloy's a great I character. You like it. No, uh, I, I know a little bit about Horizon, and uh, it's just I don't have the means of playing it. So. Okay. I do think that there was. Uh, I played both of them, and I played them back to back. I went right off of one and right into the other one. And um, I do think I'm one of the few folks that have played them both, beat them both. I don't think we have a whole lot of folks that beat them both. And um, so, yeah, I, I definitely I definitely felt that way because I, I do remember anything that I said at during the time. And we did many a Breath of the Wild podcast um, at the time. I felt like anything that I said was honestly quickly met with some sort of horizon counterpoint. Um, so that it was almost like it was in, inescapable. Right. You you talk about how pretty Breath of the Wild was and they talk about the peas and horizon or you talk about, you know, how, um, you know, horizons. I don't know combat is and somebody would bring up breath of the wild or puzzles or something like they were all, it was honestly you couldn't escape the two and like i said it's it is i find it strange that we are that way because they are very different games um very different games well horizon does have an open world that you can traverse like the story and its mission structure are very linear for an open world game and uh, i played it basically as a campaign there's just not you know there's not like far-reaching side quests or branching things. There are things you can do, and I did them, you know, to upgrade your weapons and whatnot, but basically you kind of plot your way forward. You know, it's not all that unlike a, you know, an Uncharted or um, a Last of Us type of, type of experience. Pretty similar. More like, maybe like, more like an Infamous, where you have like these big open areas you can do whatever you want in, but to get to the next area, you kind of need to go to the waypoint. And then where Breath of the Wild is literally just walk anywhere you want, and it's more in that nature of that kind of open world. You just kind of go off, and they, they kind of built like this one big mission area where you can just kind of do a bunch of different things inside of it. Um, having played Breath of the Wild twice now, I definitely def definitely remember that um, the first time I played Breath of the Wild, it felt humongous, massive. And the second time, it doesn't necessarily feel nearly as big because I know exactly where I'm going. Same. Um, whereas I believe... Horizon still feels very big to me, um, like bigger than Breath of the Wild, just in terms of how big, I guess, the world feels around me. And it might just be the, the enemy structures and things like that, because, you know, with the birds and everything else, like you definitely feel, you know, somewhat trumped in that world, whereas Breath of the Wild kind of everything feels like they may be on equal playing terms, which I also think is a benefit to it. But uh, yeah, I wanted to address that. I just wanted to get that out there. There was a lot of that back in the day, and uh, I don't want to turn this into this. Kyle, I am not here to make you love Breath of the Wild. That's fine. That's what I'm doing. I am committed to that, but I am here to at least hopefully um, usher all of us into at least understanding why those of us that do love it so much, uh, understanding why. So I, I wrote down some things about the game that I wanted to talk about, um, and at any point, if you guys want to branch off or go somewhere else, interject with me. But I wanted to talk about... Some of the changes that the Breath of the Wild brings to the series. If you listened to Board with Video Games and Josh's conversation from last week that I, I, I harped on the PSVG Prime show, it's very, very interesting that he took the, that approach. You know, his his response and commentary was, you know, I, I get dropped into this game and I'm Link and I have no idea where to go and I fell off the side of this cliff and I can't get to the bottom and I don't know how to get to the last shrine. And I did this, but apparently I did it the hard way. And he was very, very frustrated that he felt like the game was fighting him. And, you know, it was hard to understand what he was doing. 
And the entire time I was listening to it, I had just like the biggest grin on my face because if you had went back in time and you had went back to 2015 when Breath of the Wild was shown and when they did their Game Awards thing with, uh, was it Miyamoto and Onuma, right? It wasn't Awada, right? It was Miyamoto? Was it Miyamoto? Miyamoto, Miyamoto and Onuma were the ones that were showing off the thing at the Game Awards, yeah. It was exactly what they said then. Like almost to a T, they were like, we're not going to hold your hand. We're not going to tell you what to do. We're building this open world where you can do whatever you want. It was honestly, it was like the opposite of the box art. Like I almost wanted to hand him the box, hand him the box so he could sit there and read it because uh, he was just explaining like a completely different game, um, which is fine. But I, I think it's interesting that that's exactly what Nintendo fans were hoping for. Breath of the Wild hit on such a hard mark because for so long with Twilight Princess, Wind Waker, Skyward Sword, Link Between Worlds, even though like kind of started to bend away from it a little bit, but still mm-hmm. you need the boomerang to hit the thing, to get into the to the dungeon, to beat the boss, you know, to get the next weapon that you need to get into the next one. It was all this very similar approach. They basically made very similar games for a decade. These games have not changed. They have really not innovated and they changed art styles. They changed stories. They did a lot for the Zelda uh, universe, mm-hmm. but the game was basically the same until Breath of the Wild came. So, with that being said, Caroline, what do you, what do you think about just Josh? I don't want. I don't know. I'm not trying to make Josh the bad guy here. I'm. I'm literally think he brought up a great point. I'm just trying to showcase that. How do you think Breath of the Wild felt in terms of a refreshing new experience? I didn't feel like I was playing a Zelda game at first. Yeah, and that, and that concerned me. Um, I remember. You know, we went home from GameStop and uh, I put my Switch on the charger for a little bit. I unboxed everything. I took photos. I was uh, astounded with it. Donnie and I both got that Master Edition, you know. Um, And I started playing it. And I think I got, like, before I went to sleep that night, it was like 4 a.m. when I finally fell asleep. Finally got to Kakariko. But uh, I was kind of freaking out. And it was kind of... It was a mixture of not having enough sleep, my body wanting to stay awake and play this game, and not knowing what I was doing, and the fact that this was definitely something different that I was like, this is not a Zelda game. I'm kind of concerned here. Uh, But the more I played it, the more I was like, that game definitely started getting me into my current phase of wanting to achieve everything in a game and 100% everything. So I think the fact that there was so much different to do that I it's, it's hard to explain. You can 100% a normal Zelda game pretty easily, but this one presented a bigger challenge to me. And I think uh, just from the fact that it, it was... I, it's, it's difficult to describe. It really is. I'm, I'm just trying, I'm just trying to say... To. That, we're going to yeah. Kyle. You, you, so you'd mentioned that you left the series a long time ago, but you've been playing mm-hmm. all these other games. Now, the first yeah. time you played Breath of the Wild, you didn't play that long, but now you're you're off the plateau, right? No, I'm still on the plateau. But here's the interesting thing: <laughs> still has left the plateau. <laughs> I have probably put more time into the game this time than I did last time. Okay, and I still haven't left the plateau because what I ran into last time, and I'm old, like I'm an old person. I like games being You're like, go old. to this place, do this thing, then go to this next place. I do and too. Do this thing. I'm with you. Like, that's just what I like. 
And I think part of the frustration I had the first time was like, I don't know what the heck I'm supposed to be doing. I feel like I'm wasting my time all the time. Yep. So going into this one, I said, you know what? I am just going to go wherever I feel like and do whatever I feel like in this case. And I, I'm not going to rush anything. I'm not going to push anything. If something looks cool over there, I'm going to see if I can get over there and see if I can find the cool thing. So I have, I do have... I could get off the plateau now if I wanted to, but I haven't yet. That's kind of probably what I'm going to do after this. Gotcha. But I I just have really kind of tried to embrace what everyone talks about when they talk about this game, because that's not how I tried to play it the first time. Sure. So I'm trying to embrace and trying to, I don't want to say will myself, but try to experience this game. And I think not the quote unquote right way, but I think in the way maybe Nintendo was hoping or intending people experience this game like when they designed this game like obviously you can do whatever you kind of you want within the rules of the game but they probably have like a way they kind of want you to play it mm-hmm. and i'm trying to embrace that a little bit and trying not to get so caught up in golden path stuff and going to like what's supposed to be next i'm just trying to like kind of go where the wind takes me and, and figure things out as i go and you know i i think that has at this point at least improved my experience in playing this game thus far it's a new new perspective fresh eyes i definitely I think I was just gonna. I don't think there is any right way to play this game. By the way, I don't think there is any right way. I think there's an intended way. I think might be the better word. I believe. Yeah. I, sure. I if, think you, if you Nintendo if you, has a like an uh, uh, an open walk line of what they expect you to do. Well, yeah. The, it's it's just the main quest line is basically what you can do, but all those side quests and additional quests are not needed. And I, for those that are into the speedrunning scene, the speedrunning scene is proving that there is no right way to play this game. Sure. You, you can beat the game in less than 30 minutes now, I think. I think, Kyle, I think your your experience will be greatly enhanced. And I said this the first time. It was actually a good point as to why we're doing this together, why we waited and tried to schedule this together, is you playing with people and being yeah. a part of uh, you know the Discord room and being able to ask questions when you see them. That was kind of what was missing when you played it late. Um, you know, like when you and Josh and others got to it after Kevin and Seth and I and Jason already moved on because mm-hmm. you didn't have that. And the first time we played this, there was so much of that. Uh, I listened back to our review cast, all two hours of it. Man, I can't believe we used to do those. Um, and uh, it was one of the first things I remember. One of the first points that I, that I said, like on our very first podcast, like a Switch launch podcast, was how different we all hit the ground running in different directions. We all scattered different places, and it was interesting that we all did that one, like just from a psychology level, like what made us all go the ways we went, I'm, I'm somewhat interested and fascinated by. But also, it gave us all a different perspective and a little different you know, awareness of the world that we all started telling each other because we were all seeing things that nobody else was. So it wasn't like we were all traveling together, seeing the same thing. No, it was like, I went over here and did this. And they're like, oh, yeah, well, I went over here and did this completely different thing. And that was an interesting part of the game. Um, so some of the differences that Breath of the Wild introduced that we've never seen before. And I, I want to start here because this is the part that I'm most enamored with. I think it's the part that makes the game. And that is the fact that the Breath of the Wild has physics and logic to its world and its environment. I've brought it up, brought it up a billion times on all of the podcasts that I listen to from back when this launched. I kept talking about it then. I'm going to try to say it with better terms now. What I mean by this is like, The world has laws, like environmental, elemental laws that most games just don't have. And having left Breath of the Wild then and like experienced 
some gains and some discussions since now and then. I kind of feel like Breath of the Wild is what people like out of like the goat sims and the farming sims and things like that, but just on a yeah. much bigger, grander level. Because it gives you this world that has electricity, has gravity, has, you know, magnetic fields, has climbing. elemental properties, climbing, the weather, wind, rain, and you can use all of these things to, to, to do your bidding in the world if you know how to apply them. And it's one thing that I can say because I started playing last week. So I'm about 25 hours into my new playthrough. I'm about two beasts down already. Uh, yes. About I'm already through two. I'm not even about yeah. I'm already through two. And then so what I'm doing this time differently is instead of just doing the beast and going for the gold, I'm actually trying to clear out every region. So I'm starting in one region of the map and I'm doing everything in there. I'm playing it kind of like an Assassin's Creed game. And then I'm gonna go hit the next one. I've already unlocked my map and unlocked my tower. Um, but one thing that I noticed differently on my second playthrough is that I'm playing it very deliberately because I understand how the laws work. And it's very different than how I played it the first time. So the first time I hit the ground playing Breath of the Wild, it felt like a survival game. I wasn't strong enough to defeat the enemies. I wasn't strong enough to climb the mountains. So all I did was shrine until I could, till I you know got to the level where I could do the things I wanted to do. So my first 50 hours with Breath of the Wild the first time was mainly shrine hunts. Mm -hmm. I was just finding shrines and I had a map. And all, that's all I was doing was getting shrines so I could have the hearts have the stamina to do the things I wanted because I felt like I was just so underpowered. So I wanted to be OP by the time, um, you know, by the time I actually got started on the quest. Playing the second time, though, is somewhat refreshing because while all the discovery is gone, and I do feel like playing the second time, there's like, I don't have any of that experience that I had the first time. There's none of that, what's over the next horizon? What's over the next cliff? Because I know where everything is. <laughs> I absolutely know what's over that cliff. Um, but playing the second time, I understand, really understand how to cook meals to do what I want them to do, how to feel powerful earlier in the game than I ever did the first time, you know, how to walk into my first, uh, beast with 13 hearts because I know the temporary meal cooking and with, you know, up attack power because I know how to build those meals. And like with the meal system and cooking all the ing ingredients and collecting all these things, and I'm going to bring it up here in a little bit, and Amiibo, you can really, really make yourself basically do whatever you want. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I'll say is, uh, although it's not a spoiler, but I'm going to tell folks what they can do if this is your first time playing or second time playing, but when you make your way to the Akala region and you go to the horse stable there, there's a dude that you can buy like a honey bun from. Just gives you yeah. an extra wheel of stamina. Yeah. You just buy it. It's like 50 rupees. It's not that much. And, like, when you know that early in the game, because I didn't get there until I was halfway done with the the first time. But knowing that now, I took, like, a beeline there because I want to open up that fast travel point because I want that extra wheel of stamina. That way I can start tanking, you know, start building my hearts versus stamina, and I can climb anything I want. The climbing gear. You know, like, knowing how, knowing that there are climbing gear out there in shrines, you can go get this thing, Kyle, it's called climbing gear. And when you get it and upgrade it at a fairy fountain, it basically makes you climb twice as fast. So the first time where I was like, I need three stamina wheels because I can't climb anything and it's making me mad and frustrating. The second time I'm like, no, I don't. I just need the climbing gear and I'll climb just as fast as I want to. Yep. So things like that have really changed the way I'm experiencing the game. And it, even though it is different and yes, Caroline, I, I never forget when I've, I deleted my save file and started playing a new one. 
Like I threw my first sword and was pissed because <laughs> I went to go, I went to go what I thought was shooting an arrow and I just threw my sword. <laughs> so you just forgot the mechanics. I yeah. forgot the mechanics. I was like, man. And that's, no. that's good. That's like the amount of time that you should replay a game. You shouldn't yeah. replay a game if you were, if you can pick up the controller and just go. Well, like, see, it's not far the, enough away. The, the most for me is I forget the buttons. Like just, I just forget. I think that like, x button is to go back or something and, and b button is to basically through flipping like arrow menus and stuff yeah you know yep, yep, you yep, yep. Which arrows and bows mm-hmm. you have that's the main thing that i always have issues with uh but for me going into the physics and logic of this game this game made me really hate playing other games for a little bit just because i went from playing this game for quite some time to going straight into xenoblade 2 when that came out in december and those are very different games <laughs> i couldn't jump and scale a wall in xenoblade 2 and that that world is massive too very linear obviously and compared to compared to breath of the wild because you have it's not one big area it's sure. just and they use certain walls and mountains to gate off areas of the world just like every game since the right. history of games right yeah. and um the fact that i couldn't climb walls was very difficult to get used to in that game uh, not to mention that the menus were extremely daunting in the beginning, but at any rate, uh, yeah, this game, if you are a big fan of RPGs, uh, you may want to lower your expectations after you play Breath of the Wild because it kind of gives you just all that liberty and freedom of doing whatever you want, going wherever you want to go, that uh, everything else kind of just seems like a McDonald's burger compared to like a gourmet burger. At least that was my going one there to back to the the next, what I'm talking about. Um, Physics in this game are are ridiculous. Uh, Especially when you get that stasis stasis, man is it's, it's the way to do it. Um, Get on something. I, I, I challenge you guys to get on something Hit it really quick with your spinny attack, stasis it, where you get the red arrow as fast as it goes. Jump on the item. Just see where it takes you. Talk about self self propelling you in other places. You know when you when you yeah. upgrade your stasis rune, you can freeze enemies, like all enemies. Yes. So when you're fighting the Lynels, Lynel the Guardians, it comes in handy real imperative yeah. to fighting Linus. If you can't well, um, if you can't dodge in perfect timing like Jason, use stasis. There's stasis for the rest of us. You can wait for them to charge, just freeze them. Get your hits in and just slightly move out of the way and then watch them fall down. That's good stuff. Yep, that is so, good stuff. Kyle, I'm going to take a little of the sting out of your I can't climb everything uh, rebuttal. <laughs> I wasn't even going to say anything about that. But I, just cool. to say, I just wanted to say I just wanted to say because I think I've heard you say I tried to play this game and I can't climb anything. I think on maybe five podcasts dating like three years, I think we've, we've we covered that. Um, jokes aside. Have you have you had the chance to really experiment or play with any of the physics or learn any of the stuff? Or do you have any questions about them? Well, actually, that's part of the reason that I haven't left the Great Plateau yet is because I was dinking around with the stuff. And obviously, I don't have everything, you know. Sure. But I've been kind of dinking around and trying to figure out exactly how things work in the world. So when I go out there, I feel like I at least have some context for what I'm doing. I mean, I really like fishing with bombs. Like, how cool is that, right? Yeah. Um, I think the big thing for me is that in some ways, and obviously I'm not very far from a story perspective and all that good stuff, the world seems like the best character in the game. 
Mm. right? Like the world is a character. And there are other games that have done this, but in different ways, right? Like in Bioshock, like the world is almost a character in those games. Yeah. And that I really feel like that when you're playing this game, it is learning who this character is, how this character works, like what is this character about? And I think, you know, as someone who doesn't, who likes being told where to go and what to do and likes to have things designed for me, because I don't think I'm very creative. I enjoy that in other games. So I'm trying to now embrace figuring things out on my own in this game. And so far it's been fun. You know, I, I definitely am not pulling off sick stunt moves like other people are, but I am enjoying the act of discovery and trying to figure out, you know, what exactly does this world all hold for me and what can I do, you know, to maybe play this game uh, in different ways than what I, who look, tends to look at things very straightforward, like what are different or unique things that I can do that might be beneficial to me down the road and trying to kind of learn that stuff now. So hopefully I can apply it more when I go out into the bigger, grander world. I'm wondering once you hit the ground, how much that'll improve that that logic is kind of the things yeah the game's not gonna like put the waypoints on your map because you climbing the towers gives you the ability to put the waypoints on the map so once you get off the plateau and get down there and start getting into some shrines start getting some things you might you know that might open up a little bit for you especially as you start to collect other items carolyn's talking about the stasis rune and being able to blast it off and when you get the um i don't know it's like the, the 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 Balloons. No, the balloons. Oh, the octo balloons. Yeah, Those the octo fun. balloons that you get, and you can Kyle, you can attach them to anything and like send them flying. You can hop on you them and fly in other places. Yeah, like... they, they lift them into the air. What up, Metal Gear? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Except you can then get on them and ride them anywhere and start like that, that does sound fun. Blow them. You can blow them fun. with a leaf. My you can. Favorite, you can put them on your enemies and send them off into the sky. People have figured out how to get these these carts that are in the mine trains, shafts and stuff, mm-hmm. and they grab the magnesis rune, and I think it's a matter of also using magnesis and stasis at the same time. So you do that thing where you're launching the, the cart, and you jump in the cart, and I think you use magnesis on the cart while you're in the cart flying through the air, and you are literally able to pilot this makeshift aircraft. Yeah. Phenomenal, and like the things you can do with boats and rafts. Yeah, yes, yes. The gift game is strong with Breath of the Wild, which is where you know when you were explaining to me like Goat Simulator, right? And I've seen these other like yeah. physics-based games. It's like yeah. Breath of the Wild has taken that, but actually built like a big open-world, real video game out of it. True. You know, and not like just like a, a physics engine you can play with. There's like ten physics engines you can play with in Breath of the Wild. You can oh, yeah. mix and match and put them all together, and it really changes things. It's it's pretty impressive. Um, Kyle, I told the anecdote, I believe, on Shaq. I'm not sure if you caught it, but, you know, I played Shadow of the Tomb Raider, and mm-hmm. there was this puzzle I was trying to solve where you had to, like, drain the oil into the channel and then yep, light yep, the yep. thing on fire. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted to shoot it with an arrow that was on fire, and it wouldn't work, <laughs> right? And, and I was like, this is the Breath of the Wild effect, is that in Breath of the Wild, yeah. you can just cheese shrines. If you mm-hmm. really understand the logic, you can just make your own pillar. And make your own like pulley mechanism and launch yourself over gates and just do whatever you want. Um, the only one that I know, like, so like the motion shrine puzzles are the worst, right? The ones you got to move your controller and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and and the, the first one that I came across, I believe it's one of the early ones, if you like make your way to Kakariko Natino early, um, is like that maze. And the easiest way to beat it is to literally just flip it over. Yeah. Because you can flip the entire maze on its back and it's just flat. So the ball lands on the maze and you just kick it over to the thing. 
and you don't have to do anything that Nintendo wanted you to do. And I think that... Or did they want you to do that? Or, exactly. But I think one of the things that I'm constantly in like astonishment of is that we have all of these resources and options mm-hmm. from the early part of the game. And even with all of my knowledge and, and insights and the education I've gotten from gifts, internet and tactics and seeing what everybody can do with it, I still don't feel like I'm a, like a master of this game. It still doesn't feel broken. I can't just do whatever I want to do. It's so broken. It takes a lot of preparation. You, you just need to watch speedrunners and what. Well, they, they break everything. You're talking about people that yeah. glip, you know, that glitch through wall. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking like in the. I never feel like I'm such an OP that I can just walk around and just like wave my hand and rid myself sure. of everybody. It's very balanced for the amount of things that it's got in it, from a puzzle design, from a level design, and from a combat and just in you know assets design yeah you know, it's it's pretty 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 awesome stuff um the next bullet point obviously is the open world you know this is a first for a zelda game you know the zelda skyrim was the thing on forums and message boards for years and then they kind of delivered in this one the only thing that i want to say about the open world is that the first time i hit the ground and i went to the zora land and then i went to the desert and then i went to the mountain and then i went to the rito and we did a review cast where i talked to one bobby the nintendo guru and he mentioned that he did the Rito first. And he was like, I never invested all of my shrines into stamina because I did the Rito first and I had that jump mechanic. And at the time, I remember he said that and I was like, I really wish I did that because mm-hmm. I did it last. So by the time I got the jump mechanic, I could already climb everything that I wanted to do. So right. I didn't use it as much. So this time I made a conscious effort to go to the Rito land first. And I do feel like I feel a little bit more power, a little more powerful early in the game than I should. Being able to just fly up at any point is a very valuable skill in Zelda. And if I'm encouraging, if you're playing this the second time or the first time, if you're asking which path to take, I would encourage you to go to the Rito land first and get that. That should be your first beast because you will, you will use that for just basic traversal. Because yeah. while I definitely don't feel like the game is the biggest world I've ever seen, it is misleading. You look at that map, you look at a tower, you'll put a plot down and you'll see it. You'll even see it. You're like, it's right over there. I'll just walk there. 25 minutes later, you keep walking. You're like, geez, how far away is it? Um, it kind of catches up on you pretty fast. So that's all I wanted to say about the open world. When you guys have anything? I just think it's interesting that you said that because I we're doing talking about what Nintendo intended you to do. I feel like they kind of intended you to go to the Ruto, or Ruto area. Varuto is the beast. The Zora area first. Just because it's in the middle and it's actually closest to Kakariko and the plateau. And for some reason, I feel like I was on my way somewhere and I ran into Sidon and did that whole thing. So you definitely have a lot of Zors that point you in that way as you start to get over there. Yeah. Uh, So I think a lot of people did Ruto first. Ruta, Varuta. I believe I did the the Rito area last, which is kind kind of weird. Yeah. Uh, as for open world, I think I kind of touched on that stuff, though, uh, just about sure. it, it It was daunting at first, and um, it didn't feel like a Zelda game. But now, I if a Zelda game goes back to the old formula, I might be a little bit disappointed. Yeah, yeah you would. Yes, you would be. <laughs> now, it so actually, to piggyback so off this, since Kyle hasn't left the plateau yet, I, I do want to say this. Not that I would ever expect you or Josh or anybody else to play you know, like an old system or bias system for a game. But if 
Nintendo releases a Wind Waker or a Twilight Princess or a Skyward Sword on the Switch. I'd be very interested to hear you guys play it and hear what you say about those. Because I'd honestly want to know, like, if it matched up. Like, if you played this game and you're like, I have no idea what I'm supposed to do and I, I don't know where to go. And you play those and you're like, oh, my God, I wish they'd stop telling me where to go because they literally tell you where to go the entire time. The entire time. <laughs> so I wonder if, like, you're just, like, needing a balance like- in between there. Kyle would absolutely love Skyward Sword because it is completely linear. There's nothing you can do just, to get away on from it's it. It's like playing a campaign game. It's just like an Uncharted. It's like, here's the thing. Go get the thing. Let's next next cut scene. Go to the next area. Do it again. I don't that, dislike Skyward Sword. It's my. It's probably my second favorite Zelda behind Breath of the Wild. But uh, Okay. We'll this is objectively later. not the second favorite. <laughs> she said favorite. Second okay. favorite. favorite. True. It's a bad favorite. Uh, it's a bad choice. <laughs> we can we can talk words later. There's a lot of bad things that I know that you like that I don't. Touche. <laughs> Touche. Touche. Um, it's just uh, what we're we talking about. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> God. You, Kyle would definitely enjoy that game. Um, yep. But going back, if if it were made today, after Breath of the Wild has already come out, I don't think I could play it. Or I, well, I would play it. It's just I don't think I could play it and respect it after what they've done with Breath of the Wild. So. Yeah, hopefully all eyes on E3, right? See whatever we got cooking up for next year. Um, some of the other things I talk about, the equipment, the abilities, the runes, cooking quark seeds. We've kind of covered this. This is all like brand new for the series. Zelda has always had equipment sets, armor sets, you know, the hook shot, the boomerang. These are things we've come to know. One of the things that a lot of people love making memes about is the fact that your weapons break in this game. There is no weapon outside of the Master Sword, and even the Master Sword has its own drawbacks that you can just use forever. Every weapon breaks in the game. And yep. some people like it, and some people don't. I don't know if anybody like truly likes it. Um, some people just don't think it's that big of a deal. That's where I would fall in. Yeah, same. I find so many weapons, I think once you start playing and kind of understand it, you just start throwing weapons away. You get to the point you can't pick them up anymore. Oh, I have yeah. my my slots completely filled out from Hestia. Of course you do. You have five hundred cork seeds. Yeah. So I and and I still pick up too much. You know, it's a, it's it's annoying. So, but between the runes and the cooking, it's like a whole different mechanic. Because I, you know, one of the things I want to talk about, if you were, recall the review cycle for this game, one thing that was mentioned more than once was like. It's the Dark Souls of Zelda game, which I feel like on the podcast circuit became like a meme of it's the Dark Souls of anything. Right. But I really feel like that became with Breath of the Wild. Everybody talked about how hard it was. And there is definitely a learning period. If you just fall in the world and start doing whatever you want, you're going to get hammered. If you go to the central tower, the moment you hit the ground, it's not going to go well for you. (laughs) You're not ready for that. But the fact that they give you as much like they give you a path to do as much as you can if you just take the time to learn it, is interesting. Um, it's got to be really hard to design a game around, considering that you can you can cook a meal to go to the coldest peak. You can cook a meal to, you know, enhance your attack power. Um, everything is based on, like, time buffs, right? Your, your defense or your speed. You can just become super fast or super stealthy. All of that stuff is nuts. So all these things are new to the game, new to the series. And uh, what do you think about... Kyle, for one, what do you think about just breaking weapons? Like, I know you're still in the plateau, but you've already kind of experienced some of that. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I 
<laughs> if I had my choice, I would prefer they didn't break. Mm-hmm. But I think, like you said, like there's so at least, and even when I played before and got off the plateau and all that, like I was never at a loss for weapons. Like sure. I always had weapons to use. I always had things I could do. There was always plenty to pick up. I always found some, and I'm like, oh look, I have no more space. So like, what am I going to do here? You know? Can I interrupt I, you? I yeah. want to ask you this: Have you experienced? Because mm-hmm. I think there's a silver lining to this. There, there is a mm-hmm. moment that I've had that I think most people will find at some point. Have you experienced a time where you tried to fight somebody and ran out of weapons or you didn't have enough weapons? So you started to like steal their weapons or they get to the point where they just like start throwing rocks at you and you start finding branches. Like there is a kind of a a tense, like an anxiety that comes that you just start getting very creative. I think I just think it's funny to throw my weapon so that they drop theirs and then pick theirs up and beat them up with it. Like, I just think it's funny, so I just do it all the time. Like, I don't even, like, wait until my weapon's about to break. I just chuck it at them and take theirs because it's just funny. People forget you have bombs. Yeah. yeah. Even if your bombs are endless. That so, is my initiation for almost every fight. Just throw a bomb in there and let's go. Man, if you yeah. get a fire arrow, especially with, like, those early Bacoblin camps, all of their weapons are made of wood. You can yep. literally just set them all on fire. <laughs> like, watch them burn, and then they get up and they have no weapons. They just start chucking things um, at you. <laughs> always, always use a fire arrow on things that are, if you see those explosive barrels, shoot it, and every pretty much everything on Plateau will die instantly. You can do those with stasis, too. You can freeze them and hit them, and they won't explode. And then when, uh-huh. when the stasis wears off, they will fly off, and it's like shooting a cannonball. You can just launch them at people. Oh, do you have to hit it? Yeah. I've never. Oh, okay. I, so, I mean, like, I always come in from a distance and just wreck sh- stuff from, uh, you know, like shooting an arrow and just killing things from there. But uh, another great thing is if you're in those little skull rock areas where they all all inside the little skull, mm-hmm. uh, they have hanging lanterns. So always shoot for the... Uh, lanterns that are hanging down through the eyes it will drop the fire down and um nine times out of ten causes an explosion of some sort because they have those barrels in there also time when they're all cooped up in a hole if there's like any metal boxes outside you can pick that with your magnet and just go in there and then just like throw it around (laughs) every which way and use it as a weapon or put it over somebody and drop it and let them just like smash on top of it best way to do it just (laughs) death by falling metal box um (laughs) We have to pick up the pace here a little bit. Um, I'll, I think these kind of go in line together anyway. So I want to talk about one of the biggest changes that Breath of the Wild introduced was a change in the dungeons. You know, with Zelda, we've we've grown long for the last series of the last 15 years. We have these long, complicated, usually like multi-room puzzle dungeons, right? Got to go flip this switch to get to the next switch to flip the entire thing upside down to get to the next thing, get the master key, get the boss key, blah, 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 blah. Zelda has dungeons in the shape of the four beasts, but they're, I think by Zelda standards, they're like mini dungeons or like a half a dungeon. It's not like a big sprawling dungeon, although some of them are pretty complex. It's a very complex puzzle is what it is for each of them. I don't even feel like they were dungeons. And then you've shrines, which is my favorite, still my favorite part about this game. I really do love the shrines and figuring out the puzzle and figuring out if I can beat the puzzle. It's something I really like. Like, can I just do this without doing it? I almost walk into every shrine now, like trying to figure out a different way to do it, except for the combat ones, which were a lot of fun. Um, and then how they all play into the storyline, which I talked at nauseum in the past about. So I'll be brief on this. I hate the way they, they dropped the story in this game. I still do. I still don't like it. I still don't think it's the best way to do it. I don't think it's the only way to do it. I'm upset that this is the only way they did it. They didn't break it up into pieces. They didn't put some like 
the thing that I said about the story in the past, and what I'm talking about in the story for listeners, what I'm talking about is the memories are scattered about the world. I hate that they're not on the path of the player. I don't understand how you can play this game and not find them. I don't like that. It seems like a waste of resources. It seems like a wasted opportunity. I understand that some players will find them. I understand that some players may not want to find them. I think the better part of the game would have been to put at least some of them, take half of them, and put them in the cities, put them on the towers, put them where you know players are going to go because they are off the beaten path. And I get it. It's collectible, and it's something I don't think you should be collecting story. I don't think you should be collecting story. Koroks are collectibles. Armor sets are collectibles. You shouldn't be forced to go do a story fetch quest. So... That's never going to change with me. It's great story, great cutscenes. I really like the cutscenes. Some mix and match opinion on the voice acting, but overall, I mean, it's a decent story. I really like the animation, but still don't like the delivery system. I mean, Kyle hasn't experienced any story yet, so we have no idea what he thinks. I have not experienced any story. Do you yet. plan on going and finding all the story fragments? You know that they're out there and how you yeah, find like, them. Yeah, I, I know that's how it is done. I think I, I am not far enough to know if there's any assistance in trying to find those or not. Like I often play games for story. I know there's a lot of people who think that you know if you're looking for story and game, like if you're looking for a good story, you should be like reading books or watching movies or whatever. But I I still like think games in a lot of ways can de- deliver really awesome stories. I'm with you. I, I would like to experience the story in this game. I would prefer, or I hope it's not too much of a challenge or work to experience the story in this it game. It is. They're oh, literally cool. nowhere near. Like, most of them are Perfect. not near shrines. Um, They're not near towers. You can't see them from tower. You have to find them. And I will just, never believe that somebody just found them all on their own. I, I like... Somebody seriously did. Um uh, my recommendation to you, I missed all but two on my regular walkthrough. Um, go and just find yourself a guide if you're really into the story that much. Um, Coach Hulk, I talked to him and he was complaining about lack of story in the game. And I said, did you see the memories? And he had not even picked up on any, none. And I told him about them and he went and he looked and he watched all the cutscenes. He's like, I appreciate the game so much more now. Yep. And that's what I said. One of my, I guess, detractions or cons in our first little review cast is I wouldn't be opposed to anybody just like watching them on YouTube. It's probably sure. a better use I, of your I, time. I like, and that's that's the upset. That's why I'm so upset about it. It's because you're gonna have somebody out there that misses it, and they just don't know. They just yeah. don't know. They they don't know, or they don't want to take the effort to go find them, so they just won't see them. And that's that's a shame. That's that that was a mistake in my opinion. I shouldn't have done that. Quick. Quick question about that. I'm assuming then that you can find them in any order. Yeah. Oh yeah. So do, yes. does it still like if, even if you find them completely out of order, does it still kind of make sense as you're watching? Yeah. Them? So the whole concept is, I mean, obviously the whole plot is that he's been asleep for a hundred years and he's forgotten right. them all. So gotcha. I guess the way that they're trying to play it off is that he could remember them all at any in any order. Ah, uh, right. Gotcha. Because okay. they're Makes a memory, sense. right? It's just right. you see something in the world, you go to the spot, and it jogs his memory. Gotcha. So, okay. So when you go into the menu and you're able to re-see them again, yes. they are in some sort of sequential order. Then, okay. And I do think they are better experienced in uh, a sequence, a loose order. But yes, there is an order. You want to see a certain handful before you see the other handful. And it just, it makes it a mess, man. I still, I will never come off that. I, I think it's just kind of a mess. I, I don't understand why they did it that way. I, I want to say, I feel like it's, 
just to be different. I feel like there was so much pressure on Nintendo to change Zelda that they changed everything about Zelda. It was like change for change's sake. Oh, voices. Yeah, and that was the part that I wasn't a huge fan of. Do you um, like the voices? No, I like the voices. It's like hit or miss with me. You know, I, I think overall, yes, I do like the voices. You know, Princess I was, Zelda I was sounds very regal. Um, you know, I don't know. I don't remember all the Guardians' names, but the Goron, I think, is my favorite. Daruk. Uh, yeah, Daruk. He's, he's hilarious. But, you know, I think... But there is some stuff that I definitely don't think... I mean, it might just be the writing. Some of the cutscenes, I'm just like, okay, well, that wasn't important. Glad I trekked all the way out here for that one. You know, like, there's some moments like that, you know. Oh, I think all of them are good character development. And not all of them, like... There's some that don't have any payoff. And uh, we don't have to get into this one, but there are some that, like, kind of just leave you hanging, and there is never any, like, resolution or follow-up ever. <laughs> you just get, like, this little cliffhanger, and you're like, okay, well, that was great. I have no idea how that ended. You know, it's just not a good Zelda story, I guess. I mean, ultimately, if you're talking about the story of the game, not my favorite Zelda story. Not even probably my top half. I would give you that in that regard. Skyward Sword had a much better story. As did Wind Waker. As did Twilight Princess. As did Ocarina. (laughs) As did Majora. (laughs) It's still a better story. Worst game, but better story for sure. Um, Okay. So I wrote down some questions. Um, I got to admit to you guys now. I wrote all these down before I ever started playing the game. I have no idea, like, and, and you guys know, I just got home like an hour ago. I have no idea how these are going to come off now that I've been playing the game for 25 hours. These are just kind of some things that I threw down beforehand. So, um, the first question I wrote down is, do you think going back to Breath of the Wild would enhance or diminish your initial impression? Now, I already kind of said my piece on that. So, Caroline? Um, geez. Because I'm still always going back to my first playthrough. I am going to make a completely different account, by the way, in order to play this fresh. Why don't you just save, back up your save, and just restore it later? No. no. Okay. Um, I I don't know if it will enhance. It will probably... Initial impression, I was kind of freaked out. Like I said, it was it was concerning to me because I was like, I'm never going to figure this out. It's not the same mechanics. It's not the same uh, gameplay that I'm used to. And I don't like change. So I don't think it can diminish my initial impression. I think it can only enhance it because now that I know what I'm looking forward to, what the game is going to be, now that I've gotten that initial anxiety and fear out of uh, playing something new that is not on my normal normal Zelda radar, rather, um, I think it would enhance it. Okay. Um, and uh, that, that that generally just because I was, like I said, I was pretty freaked out in the beginning. How was your biggest concern giving Zelda Breath of the Wild a second chance? My biggest concern was that now I have to say, I never didn't like this game. I just didn't like it as much as everyone else did. And my biggest hate concern, it. Hate it. Just, hate the game. just like me with Far Cry Five, right? Far I just Cry hate Five, it. you just hate it. Yeah, hate it. Um, me with Horizon, I, think, I know exactly how you feel. My right. Uh, I think my biggest my biggest concern was going to be that I was going to fixate on the things that I knew I wasn't a huge fan of the first time and yeah. that I was I and I talked about this a little bit on board with video games that I was trying to 
mentally prepare myself to give this a complete fresh run. Like I wanted to have the experience that the people who love this game have. Like I want to have that experience. I want to experience this game like those people do. I don't know if that's possible for me, but I really want to give myself a genuine opportunity to have that experience. So I'm hoping in the end, it'll be a much better experience. So that is my goal. And that's the whole reason I came back is because I wanted to have, I wanted to improve my experience with this game. The only way that I think you can have that experience is that you're in the game. You come across an obstacle that you feel you have all these tools at your disposal and you tactically like use all of the world to, to, to accomplish whatever it is you're wanting to do. Climb a mountain, take out a base. It doesn't have to be combat related, but you're eventually, once you get the understanding of everything and you get your bearings, you will come across an obstacle that you're like, I can do this this way or that way or this way. And it'll just be a matter of you deducing which way you want to do it. When you do that and you become successful at it, I think that's when you have that experience and you go, man, I can really do whatever I want with, you know, a meal here or this or that or this weapon. You can really go and do whatever you want. I think that might be that that aha moment. Um, I've already talked about what I plan on playing, what I plan on doing differently than the first time I played. I will say that I did grab the Majora Mask. Um, for those of you who have the DLC, I grabbed the Majora Mask. It's right off the, the Great Plateau when you drop down the first time. It's not that far away. And uh, Majora's Mask, if you buy the DLC, Kyle, is in a chest in the game. You can put it on and walk by most of the basic enemies in the game. They just think you're a yeah. bad dude. Yeah. And it really kind of changes... It really changes things greatly because the first time I played, there were times where I tried to fly around them or I took the long way around them if I didn't think I could take them. You know, if there was like a white bacobbler or something I was scared of or I didn't have, you know, meals or anything on me, like I was scared of losing progress. So I would totally do all like these that. things about not doing it. Now it's like if you don't want to deal with it, if you don't want to be encumbered, if you're on your way to somewhere and they're in the way, you can just throw that thing on and run right through. Or if you're going to get real sneaky, you can put it on and just like go rob the chest and the runaway. Like there's all kinds of like fun stuff you can do with it. Um, kind of breaks the game a little bit, but is in uh, definitely a recommended at least experience on a second playthrough. Do you have any grand ideas on what you're going to do different on the second go around? Get off the great plateau, right? <laughs> <laughs> I got off last time. I had horses and everything. I, I do horses last time. Yeah. I have a whole uh, stable of horses. Mm-hmm. I did want to um, I do want to collect all the shrines I started myself a little chart um, I have a little Google Doc where I'm keeping track of them I never did all of them last time I did 100 and it got to the point where it would have it would have taken too much work for me to sit down and, and cross you know examine a map to a spreadsheet to figure out which ones I was missing so I never did them all so this time I'm doing them all as I, I go through feel about yeah, I know that sounds I, miserable. I haven't looked at the map yet, but I think I've got I've got the both the deluxe edition guide and the uh, smaller collector's guide, and both of them have a map. So one of them I'm going to take out and mark up, figure out which ones are there, which ones are not there. Nine hundred of them. Eventually, I do have a question. I just thought of. Yeah. Okay. It's a very simple question, but it's one of the things that bothers me when I play. Does when it I go suck? into a sh- what's that? <laughs> Does it suck? No, 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 no. <laughs> when I go into a shrine and when I exit a shrine, you know how they always have like the little intro yeah. thing and then mm-hmm. the little. Can I just skip that every yeah. time? Okay, yeah. I didn't know if anything ever changed with those because I was like, do I, I, what if something changes? I don't want to skip it if something changes. No, but sometimes, and you may never need this, but sometimes the title of the shrine 
mm-hmm. will give you a hint to what you need to do. Okay. So you may miss that. But outside gotcha. of that, no, I skip it too. You hit X. I just keep hitting X until I get through. I'm right there with I you. I think that Perfect. up after the cutscene, though. After the elevator descends. Yeah, you walk off and the shrine name mm-hmm. comes up. And there's usually a little something, a little hint of what right. you need to do. Um, the one, th- one of the other things I wanted to do um, with my second playthrough is I started Terrytown as I started the game. So <sighs> the first time I played it, I didn't do Terrytown until after I'd already beaten the game. And it kind of feels like you miss everything when you do that. Uh, Kyle, you have any idea what I'm talking about with Terrytown? No All clue. right. So, Shackers, if you're listening, Terrytown, when you get to Hatino, right? Hatino. Yeah, you get to Hatino Village, there is a construction company working on a house. And they will sell you this house for a certain amount of resources that you have to go farm. And you're probably not going to have it the first time you go. I will tell you this, Caroline, when I was on the Grand, Grand Plateau, I was already collecting wood before I ever left. Like, nice. I had that in my mind to do this. So you have to deliver a certain amount of rupees and a certain amount of wood to buy this house. Once you buy this house, you're introduced to this construction company and you can outfit your house. You can get, you can like store gear there. You can sleep there. Like the house has some limited value. The value that you should be looking into though, is that the house kicks off a side quest that continues throughout the rest of the game. So as you journey your way through the rest of the game, you meet all these people that, Go to this town. You basically create a village in this other in this other place of the world, and all kinds of things happen there. And you get, you get access to resources you can't buy. There are cutscenes. There's great story to be had um, in that there's side quest. Side, yeah, there's side quests that come from building the full village, and it too. might be probably the best like you know world so building satisfying. story quest. It is so satisfying. Yep. Of course, I love just the fact that you can have your own house. Spoilers. But then, Kyle, there's a wedding. What? Oh, so cute. It's so cute. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, and to complete these quests, you have to go to other places of the world. And I remember from my first time playing, I really wish I did that my first playthrough. As I was going around, I was collecting the people as opposed to I have already beaten the game. Now I'm just mainlining the side quest. It just didn't feel like as, you know, as engrossing as it could have been. So uh, I'm definitely doing that this time. It was one of the first things I did. Before I left Tino, I'd already bought my house and was already kind of prepping, laying the seeds for that foundation down the line. Be on the lookout for people whose name ends in sun. Sun. Yep. Yep. It's a good one. I'm trying to think if there's anything else. No, you know what? And speaking of story, though, Kyle, if you don't get all the memories, you get a different ending. Oh, yeah. man. To the entire Is game. it the quote-unquote bad ending? Caroline would absolutely say it's like if you want the good ending, you have to get all the memories. <laughs> no, it's not that. You still get the same ending regardless. Um, after credits roll, depending on if you got depending. all of the memories, you get an extra ending. Mm, okay. And that's a good one. It is really good. Um, do you have any advice or tips for new players, Caroline? You can use mine. I wrote some down if you want. Um, well, I agree with the guide. Um, I bought the guides um, when I bought the collector's edition when I bought the game. I bought the deluxe edition, which is like a larger, it's humongous uh, book uh, just to have on my shelf. But uh, the guide is extremely uh insightful i don't believe it's prima games anymore it's something else uh but i would definitely recommend a guide if you're daunted by it 
uh, especially if you are one of those people that wants to get all the shrines, wants to get all the side quests, it lists pretty much everything that you need to do there. Um, I am going to agree with Donnie. Uh, Donnie has listed about DLC. Just buy the DLC. It's absolutely worth it. Um, so the DLC, do you have any intentions of buying the DLC at all, Kyle? Should I? I don't know. Can I persuade you? Can I try? You probably Just, can certainly try, yeah. All right. So you buy the DLC. It's $20, right? You get a season mm -hmm. pass. You get two big game content expansions. You get the Master Trials, which is like this... That's like the Dark Soulsy part of the game. It's just I'm not stage Jason Lazy. by stage by stage. I did it. Oh, okay. On, on now, replay, I, 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 not doing it, I wanted again. to throw my controller, but I did it. Okay. But you get stage by stage by stage of ramping up difficulty of waves uh, 60 of, of stuff. Right? And what do you get at the end? You get to power up your Master Sword? Your Master Sword goes from... so. The way the Master Sword works is it normally has 30 power against any in, uh, regular enemies. Enemies and guardians that are infused with like the Ganon power, it boosts it up to 60 because it's considered to be like the bane of darkness. Uh, if you go through this thing and do all of it, your Master Sword is up to 60 power permanently. So it doubles power for all enemies whatsoever. I definitely felt OP after I did it. And oh, yes. I definitely felt above everything that I did in this entire game, including the final boss, I felt the biggest sense of accomplishment, maybe that I've experienced in Switch period. Beating the Master Agreed. Trials is something that I wish I had an achievement for. Yeah. Like, I would, I want to show other people, like, I was taking screen, like, I did this. Because yeah. it, it's difficult, but it's it's not, like, hard. Like, if, you, if you're patient, it's, it's hard to explain. If you're patient... And you're like just, aware of what's going on. Like when you know what you need to do, it's not hard to do when you're just playing it. Because here's the thing. If you die, you go all the way to the back. And you start over again. It's one of those things. Right. It's like 50 levels. Uh, <laughs> so when you get to like Kyle, level 33, like you're playing for keeps, man. You don't want to lose an hour of your progress. <laughs> like it's a pain in the ass. I'm pretty sure it was the next to last level, level 49. Kyle, they drop you into this thing, and a Lionel is full on charging <laughs> immediately as soon as you drop. You'll Lionel's be so like, tense, you'll be gripping that controller. You're like, just go ahead and tell you this. There are hidden ancient arrows, and ancient arrows, yeah. there are very few and far between, but ancient you arrows are the boss. You're going to you want them. Back any enemy that's not a guardian with one of those insta kill they just disappear and it is a very good like way of really really mastering all that the game has to offer you because they they put you in this and you start from nothing you don't carry right. nothing with you you start all the way over so cooking to survive finding the ancient areas to survive not that level but the levels that are coming um you know maintaining all of this inventory it all kind of builds upon itself so you get that right then you get the um what is it, the Champion's Ballad DLC with all the story missions and the shrines? Yes. Where every champion has its own little cutscene, so you get more story cutscene content. And mm -hmm. at the very end, you get to face off with one of the, um, what are they called? Sheikah? Yeah, one of the Sheikah, the folks that are in the, you know, in every shrine. And you yeah. get a motorcycle, yes. which is pretty cool. <laughs> Talk about game breaking. Right. <laughs> Faster than any horse, you do have to fuel it. But if you have like 600, 700 apples, like Which I you do, will by the end, just 
pop five apples into the fuel tank and you're good to go for like 30 minutes. Uh, runs on apples. That's great. <laughs> you also get a, you get a Korok mask to help you find those. You get Minna's mask, which I already talked about. You get Phantom. They're, they're different armor sets. Actually, if you bought it, if you like basically if you pre-ordered it on the Great Plateau, you get a Switch shirt. You just get yeah. this red Nintendo Switch shirt so you can dress Link up like in a Switch. There are all these little things that are hidden around from buying the DLC. So it's only $20. You get a lot of game content. But if you're right. never going to finish the game, I can't say that I'd recommend it. But if you really get into it and you really like it, beating, it's just worth it. beating the Master Trials is something. <laughs> it's like I recommend it, but I don't know if I'd do it again. Like, I don't know how to, I don't know how to explain something it. like that. It's like that's I love it, not, but I don't want to do it ever again. <laughs> that's why I'm not getting rid of this playthrough, because I've already done it. Again. We that have, makes sense. We have cloud saves. It doesn't make sense. You literally go into your system and hit the cloud button, and it's saved forever. It doesn't make sense. It makes no sense. She's like terrified of I'm the trying cloud. Trying to be supportive. She's so supportive. scared of this cloud save. I'm just gonna make another account. She make a whole other account for a save file. I know it's not hard. It's just weird. All right. Um, so yeah, the other thing I want to talk about, so I did play the first time with a guide. I do think it was very helpful. There's tons of resources online by now. Um, and I want to show, there's a painter at all these like little stables. His name's Picago. Yeah, mm-hmm. You can show him your, your, your little tablet, your rune thing, and he'll tell you where the memories are. So there is, like if you never talk to him, you won't That's know. Another, but if you show thing. him the picture, he will tell you exactly, he'll go, that is over here by the mountain on the southeast side. Like, he'll tell you exactly where to go to find that memory. That's the way you find the memories, by yeah. the way. It's, you get your Sheikah slate. And I never talked to him the first playthrough, ever. What? I never All right, did. so <laughs> you, when you go to Kakariko and you go to visit Impa's sister, she gives you the photo thing. Mm-hmm. And turns out there's a whole bunch of photos already on your Sheikah slate. Those photos are the pictures around the world that you go to. And that's where the memory spots are. Yep. So it's not like just wandering around willy-nilly okay. and find this light patch. It's like, what the heck is this? And you like have this epiphany remembering stuff. Um, yeah, talk to... He's in, he's in mostly like around he's a, cities and towns. I think he's in every stable. In stables, you're yeah, right. I want to say he's you're in right. every stable. So anywhere you are, like he's around. But here's the thing, because he's a painter, he's not out when it's raining. So... He, <laughs> He makes goes inside sense. when it rains. Yeah. Like everything in the game makes sense. There's all kinds of side questions and stuff you can't do in the rain or you can't do at night because they're sleeping. Like all that stuff is there. So be aware of that. Um, but yeah, if you walk up to him, he'll tell you exactly where to go. I, I never did on the first try. I didn't know that until after I whined about the story and somebody told me. So um, the other thing that I would recommend, uh, even though I know for a fact Kyle will not do this, is use Amiibo. I don't think I've ever played a game with a more rewarding haul for having bought Amiibo than Zelda Breath of the Wild. It's worth uh, buying the Amiibo I, cards if you're never going to own Amiibo. This game is worth buying those. I don't wolf, support pay to win. I'm sorry. Pay to win. So, <laughs> wolf Link Companion is absolutely You get to amazing. run around with a dog. That's totally I know. If you'll remember, I actually had the Wolf Link Amiibo, and I sent it to Kevin, if I recall. What the heck? Kevin, send it back. Because I didn't have my Switch at the time yet, mm-hmm. but Kevin did. So I think, I believe if I recall, I sent it to him. And you never Wait, powered that- it up, though. And that's why he's constantly whining about how his dog has no hearts. Every time I we bring wrong. it up, Kyle's like, Kevin. it only has four hearts. I'm like, 
right, so the way, that, the way that the hearts work if, for people that don't know, if you own Twilight Princess HD and if you did the Cave of, it's not the Cave of Ordeals, not that one. Cave of Shadows is the name of this extra dungeon in Twilight Princess HD. And it's 50 floors like Cave of Ordeals. But if you finished Cave of Ordeals on the 50th floor and you got your Wolf Link Amiibo and um, if you had unlocked all 20 hearts on there through the main game, you have up to 20 hearts on your Wolf Link Amiibo if you tap the save in once you beat Cave of Shadows. Or you buy the Amiibo card. It's like $4. And it's just already done for you. you just have all of it. Just buy the Amiibo no. card. Just buy the Amiibo no. card. You no. can get Zelda Breath of the Wild Amiibo cards for like 15 bucks on Newegg. And they have all of them. Here's the thing. You get to scan them every day. Every time you scan one, it drops a pile of fruit and berries That's- and other things to collect. You get a chest. Basically, everyone gives you a chest. And if you have the Guardians, you get uh, exclusive armor sets that help yep. you swim faster, help you climb faster. So it's not pay to win. It's pay to finish faster. And uh, it's just very good. And, yeah, running around with Wolf Link is dope. Like, it's just it makes the game a little bit He'll more fun. For you. Yeah, like, and he's good. I do want a dog. I mean. Yeah, he'll run and attack and just like kill things for you, and you grab the meat and you can cook. It's great. There are dogs at all the stables, but you cannot pet them. Yeah, you can give them food though. You can give them food, and they will they will show you things. Mm-hmm. And you, I might they, just quit this game now. Then they can roll over, and you can like you know they can do that. If you spin really fast, they'll spin, so they like mimic around. you, but you cannot pet them. Why? Why would they not? Why? I, it's a it's a mistake. Con. It is a mistake. Huge con. That right there the makes that game not a 10. The biggest mistake is there's no cats in this game. No, that is a correct decision. <laughs> Kyle. <laughs> just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, I'm trying to I was look here. Caroline, do you want to take a water? Uh, yes. So um, Mount uh, Satori. First off, say, yeah, say who Iwata is for those that don't know. For those of you guys who don't know, Satoru Iwata... people that don't know, Kyle. Like, there are people that have no idea who Satoru Iwata is. Satoru Iwata passed away in 2015. Has it been three, almost four years now? Um, He was the man at Nintendo. Got his start at HAL Laboratories. Came up through there as a game developer. And made his way up to uh, the man at Nintendo of Japan. Yep. when he passed, that was in the middle of Breath of the Wild's development. And when this game came out, people noticed that there was an NPC that looked very similar to Iwata. He had the same glasses. He had the same haircut. His name was is Botrick or something like that. Yeah. Um, so he gives you clues to like, hey, there's this there's there's a mountain over here where this uh, Lord of God, I can't remember the name of the horse. There's this yeah. there's this crazy Satori? mountain. I don't know. I think Lord it's called of, Satori Mountain. And then there's a no, Lord it, over it, the mountain. Lord of the Mountain. That's what it's yeah. called. Um, it's basically a horse, but it's got the face of a bloopy, which is this creepy rabbit owl hybrid. Uh, and there's bloopies all over this mountain. Only when there's like an Aurora Borealis, like a green thing on certain nights or certain times of day. Uh, and you go on the mountain and that's when the Lord of the Mountain is there. And this whole mountain is just kind of a memory homage to Iwata because it's called Mount Satori. And it's a cherry blossom tree and it's very beautiful. Um, and you can actually, you have to be very, 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 very quiet to get on the Lord of the Mountain's back. You can uh, tame you, them and you can ride the ghost 
You can tame him and you can ride him, but you cannot keep him in a stable. If you try and take him to a stable, they're like, oh my God, is that the Lord of the Mountain? Are you trying to get us all killed or cursed? Like, you can't keep him. Um, but it's a nice kind of uh, memory to Iwata that's in the game. This all came up like the cherry blossom, like orchard tree thing in, in Japanese culture is all about like the cycle of it life about, and all that. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, so it's very meaningful. Sakura trees. Yeah. Very nice. Um, I think that's it for me. You gotta do Eventide Island. You gotta do that. It's like a little yeah. mini master it, trial. It's, it's another one of one of those things where you start from ground zero and you, uh, I told the longest story, by the way, on our very first like Breath of the Wild podcast about how I found Eventide Island very early in the game, and I cooked as much as I could to get there because I just wanted to go to that island, and how I played this game for like six hours trying to just beat that island like very early in the game. I went and did those other two beasts, went back, and walked right through it, and I was like, this is not the same. There was something about me wanting to accomplish what the game was not telling me I could accomplish at the time that really I made it. I on like the second, like as soon as I died once, I was like, okay, I get it. I'll come and back. No, 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 no. I, I beat it on the second time. Oh, okay. <laughs> Most people are like, okay, I'll come back for you later. I don't have that in me. I think that's why I've never really done the Metroid thing. It's like, okay, <laughs> I'll come back. I'm like, no, I don't want to come back. I'm going to do this now. <laughs> so um, anyway, that's an hour and 25 minutes on Breath of the Wild. Return to Hyrule. We're playing. If you're hearing this today, we're going to try to play tonight. We'll see if I can wrangle enough people together and we're going to hang out. March the 15th for those of you guys that are wondering a date. Are you going to be unpacked by then? Can you play? Can you pull your Switch out and hang on the Discord with us? I'll pull the Switch out and hang on Discord, but uh, carpet's getting installed in the game room on Monday. Oh, poor you. I have to sit on the non-carpeted floor. (laughs) No, no, I'm just going to sit in here. I'm in the living room now. We're going to get a, a, a Cribs tour of Caro's new McMansion. I'm tearing carpet out and putting you down. Talk about PSVG, say. like, get together. I know I know where the spot is, Caro's Yeah, place. no kidding, right? <laughs> I've got a lot to, to do to it. And yes, Greg, I've got the light gray carpet coming in, and the walls are going to be the darker Did gray. Did you just, like, refer to your carpet as a video game color? Donnie, that's, that's, that's the That's a new one for me. Okay. That's the whole point of the game room. It's NES colors. The carpet's going in is NES gray. The not light gray, gray. Not dark gray. NES gray. I've matched my colors up. I know what I'm doing. Hmm. Fun episode, guys. Fun show. Is, it gonna, is that carpet going to start to like yellow after a while? Or Ooh, is it good go? question. That's the Super Nintendo. I didn't make that mistake. Okay, just check it. That'd be interesting carpet, though. SNES gray. That would. It, it goes beige after. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. Not even beige. That thing went straight like yellow. Yeah. Um, Kyle, for those that um, listen to Shaq every week but may not listen to your other podcasts, go ahead and plug it. Yeah, so we uh, have a nice little podcast, Board with Video Games, uh, where we talk about both board games and video games. And so we would love if you give us a listen. And we try to talk about both pretty evenly. Some weeks slant a little more one way or the other. But in general, we try to cover both. Yeah, uh, Sean Capri. Follow- <laughs> uh you can find us on twitter at board with vg uh instagram board with vg as well um and we'd love for you to give us a shot and give us a listen we'd really appreciate it that's right so um caroline you got anything just pray for me while i get this house set up pray for me i'm moving into my new awesome house pray for me i need your prayers 
it's an experience. It's just I miss the normalcy, and I you can't need wait bourbon, to not prayers. You need bourbon. Jeez, come we, on. We have a lot of we have a lot of whiskey. We do. So I have a um, lot of juice boxes. All right, Jackers. Like I said before, I'm going to leave you with this. If you want to play uh, Breath of the Wild with us and you want to return to Hyrule, send us your screenshots, record an audio clip, send us something. We're going to try to make I, My goal is I would love if we had five people have something like on on one episode of Shaq. That'd be really cool if we had five like audio questions or memories or stories or anything that came through. Keep them brief. Kaiju, don't send me 28 minutes of you on Breath of the Wild. There's only <laughs> one person in Shaq that goes for 28 minutes, and that's me. All right, so yeah, but uh, I'm looking forward to it, and uh, yeah, we'll return next week. We'll have a guest. I'm gonna tell Devin he's on the show, or Seth, or Seth, or something. We'll have somebody else. We'll do more high roll, and we'll do news. We're trying to get back to normal next week. So anyway, thank you for joining us. Good night, Cooperlings. This is Frederick from Fire Emblem Awakening, and I forgot the line already. What? 